All right, everybody. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aspiring Adult Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about my sacral chakra and just sacral chakras in general and kind of how it came to be the idea or topic of this podcast is that I don't know like I've been feeling out of sorts recently and I thought it was because Mercury was Mercury was in retrograde but now Mercury is not in retrograde I'm like okay still feeling a little bit unbalanced here so I feel like I am only able truly to focus on one thing at a time, which I really can't tell if that is a positive or negative trait. So over the past couple of weeks, I've been traveling a lot for my personal life, definitely not for work. And when I'm on these trips, I really want to focus on my time with whoever I'm going to visit. So I went and visited my brother in Virginia earlier this month and, or not earlier this month, I guess at the end of May, I went out to LA and I visited my best friend, Alex, and my other best friend, Nick, and I could not be less inclined to be on my phone, which I know that sounds really weird to say in a negative connotation, but for me, I feel like a lot of my productivity comes from being on my phone. And by productivity, I mean creativity revolved around my podcast and revolved around my social media promoting the podcast. And so if I'm not on social media promoting it, I feel like I'm being lazy or not creative or not really doing things that are serving for my podcast. And I know I say these things, and if you follow me on Instagram or social media, you're probably thinking, girly, you were 100% on social media because you made a Instagram post every single day that you were in LA. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. Hit the head on the nail on that one. Um, But yeah, I did post every single day that I was in LA. And I would really like to go off on a tangent about this because posting on social media should be the sixth love language. And I just Googled it and love languages were created in 1992. Like, come on, let's be a little bit more progressive, a little bit more modern, a little bit more Gen Z, a little bit more tech. So, I mean, like the dot-com era started in 1995. That's three years after the creation of love languages, which it's kind of wild to think about. Like there was a time without internet. Anyways, so let's modernize love languages and let's acknowledge that posting on social media about someone does not fit under the buckets of words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, acts of service, qualities, time. Okay. So Posting on social media about my friends is a love language, which clearly posting about them every day truly means that I love them so very deeply. And that's not because I think that the pictures that I'm posting are absolutely tremendous or amazing. I am more over a caption gal. I would say that my actual photo game is very mid-level, but my captions I'm extremely proud of. And if someone was to look at my Instagram or when people do look at my Instagram, they always compliment they, my captions. They never compliment my photos, which I mean, sometimes they're really like, oh my God, you look so good in this picture, or this is such a cute picture or whatever. But that's 
that means less to me. I prefer the validation about my captions. So again, I really think that my caption game is very strong and I'm very proud of it. But anyways, so one of this my friends, I want to be in the moment. I want to be with them. Is that a crime? Absolutely not. I would dare say that that is a healthy behavior. I'm no therapist. I'm no mental health coach. But yeah, I would go and say, as far as saying that that is a healthy behavior. But with that being a healthy behavior, I feel like I'm also compromising on other aspects of my life, such as fostering my podcast, engaging with creativity, and focusing on my spirituality. Because when I'm with my friends, I feel like I'm only focusing on being with my friends and kind of being a chameleon to that environment and really only doing things that I want to be doing in that moment and may not necessarily be like the most self-serving or most beneficial overall. So when I'm choosing to focus only on being a chameleon to that environment or to truly only being with my friends and being present with that moment, it feels wrong to only focus on one thing. And when I say it feels wrong, it's because I have an expectation of myself that I have to be everything to everybody all of the time. And my podcast, for instance, is one of the few things that I solely do for me. So when I don't focus all of my energy on it, I beat myself up for it. I beat myself up for it. I become dejected. And I'm not really sure if dejected is honestly truly a word. It's a word that I frequently use. And I frequently use it in front of other people who I think are very well antiquated with the English dictionary. But I could be wrong. And I just use that word with such conviction that they believe me that it's an actual word. But I'm going to continue to use it until somebody tells me that it is not a word. And yes, I could easily Google if it is a word or not. I just choose not to because I think it's kind of fun and playful of me to use a word that might not exist, but other people choose to accept. So anyways, I become dejected and feel like I'm not living up to my potential or the highest version of myself, which... Let me get into what the highest version of yourself is. So if we recall a few episodes ago when I talked about meditating to the highest version of myself to gain insight about myself, how I would describe this highest version of yourself is basically the optimal version of you. Or if we put it into analogy, If you remember when you were younger and you were like middle school or elementary school age and you had an older sibling or maybe an older friend or just knew somebody that was older than you, say maybe in middle school or even college, and you idolize that person. Like if your brother or sister was having that person over, you put your best outfit on, you put makeup on, you tried to be this amazing version of yourself because you thought that that person, that your brother or sister's friend coming over or that girl that you saw at the mall when you were shopping with your mom at Limited 2 was the coolest human you have ever seen in your entire life. And you wanted to do everything in your power to be viewed by that person as someone who is equally cool, or you wanted to emulate that person. That is how I describe or picture what the highest version of yourself is. So 
you're constantly trying to be that cool girl or that that cool girl or that cool older person that you idolized when you were younger. So that's kind of how I put in perspective what the highest version of yourself is. But anyways, when I'm not living up to what I think I would do or the highest version of myself would do, I feel extremely defeated and kind of fall into this lull that definitely defies what the highest version of myself would do in that instance. So for instance, coming back to Boston from LA, me, like the absolute wackadoodle that I am, I booked a red eye from LA to land in Boston at 5.45 a.m. on Tuesday, thinking to myself, yeah, I normally wake up at 5.45 to go to the gym and then from the gym go straight to work, but didn't really conceptualize the fact that Before I wake up at 5.45 to go to the gym, I get a full night's sleep. Like I'm not laying on an aircraft with hundreds of other people traveling across the United States at hundreds of miles per hour at thousands of feet up in the air. It didn't really, that didn't really cross my mind. So I thought that, yeah, it would be super easy and it would be like, I'm basically starting off the week on the right foot mistake. That was a mistake. I should not have done that. I felt fine for the entire day, like the entire workday. So I landed at 545, came back to my apartment, showered, dropped off my luggage, and then took the bus back into work. And then kind of just worked like a normal day. I felt fine. I drank a cup of coffee, which is very unusual for me. I don't typically drink coffee, but was like, okay, need to pick me up, need something, need caffeine. And yeah, felt very normal. Then when I got home, I absolutely hibernated for 12 hours. Like came home, took a nap from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. I was like, oh my God, I never nap. And that was exactly what I needed. So after the nap, I stayed awake because I was like, okay, I need to like get back on a sleep schedule. So stayed awake from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. and then went to sleep at 10 p.m. until 5.45 a.m. when I get up for the gym normally. And then decided that I was going to sleep in a little bit further because I deserved it and I need to not like treat my body poorly and that if I need rest, I should give myself rest. And so I skipped the gym that morning, which in retrospect probably was not a great idea. After a day of doing that, I pretty much continued that for the rest of the week. So came home, pretty much went to bed every night that I came home after work, which, okay, sounds stupid when you say it like that, but I get home at like 6 p.m. That's five hours. My bedtime is typically 11.20 p.m. So that's five hours that I could be doing things that I was just sleeping. And then in the mornings, I was continuing to sleep rather than getting up, going to the gym and doing work for myself before I do work for somebody else, which is a huge mantra that I like to live by, was completely defying all of those things for the past week. But hey, it was because I was tired and it was because I went and saw my friends and allocated all of my time and attention to those friends. And now I'm beating myself up for it. And I don't appreciate that about myself. But it's something that I'm acknowledging. 
and something I'm choosing to potentially work on. And so I continued the rest of my work week like that. And obviously, since I started my work week on a Tuesday, it was only a four-day work week. And then the weekend hit. And because I'm a natural born people pleaser, I like to be everything to everybody. I can't say no to plans. So Friday night, I went out with my coworkers. Saturday, I went to brunch with my friends. And then went to tried to go to Pride. Pride ended up getting rained out. So then I ended up going to the grocery store and being outside and trying to just rejuvenate myself. And then ultimately ended up being exhausted and going to sleep again. Then Sunday, I was like, okay, this is my hard reset. I'm going to absolutely drive into the things that I want to be doing. I'm going to record my podcast. But instead, I was a people pleaser again. I ended up going to the beach with a friend. And then I ended up going, which I would not change anything about how my Sunday went, but I did not do anything that was really something that I intended on doing, or I did not work on my podcast the way that I intended on doing, which really inhibited my creativity. But at the same time, I would not change any of the events of my Saturday because I am an extrovert. I get all my energy from being around other people. And so I went to the beach with one of my friends who I haven't seen in a while. And I ended up connecting with her on her spirituality and kind of came to a realization that we shared a lot of common interests in spirituality and learning more about how all things tend to be or how everything is connected and really just talked about potentially going to Sedona for a trip to discover more about our spirituality or even a trip to India. So those are two both. Those are two really cool things that came out of me going to hang out with this friend that I haven't seen in a while at the beach, which is near a body of water uh, in like fresh air. So definitely a very healthy thing to be a part of. And then I went and played tennis with a friend and we talked about my relationship with work and how I value my time at work and how I have placed an emphasis on things that have been a little bit more self-serving for me at work and how I'm leveraging my current position to be something that is more beneficial for me and kind of reframed my mindset about being a corporate girly um, in a very positive manner. And then Later that evening, I went and had s'mores with some of my other girlfriends, which that was just a really good time because that helped stimulate my childlike experiences. Because how often do you get to sit outside and make s'mores with your friends? Not very often. And I would highly recommend it because s'mores are delicious and it's really fun to make. So again, I would not change anything about my Sunday. However, I would like to prioritize things that I actually set out to prioritize in the first place. So if I say I'm going to work on my podcast, I wish that I would just do it. So wishing into manifesting into actually doing. So let's see if we can do that. But anyway, circling back on to how I feel like I'm gotten into this lull and really not serving my highest self. And I'd like to give my highest self a name so that way I can stop saying highest self. And Immediately, I want to name her Daisy because that was my alter ego in college, but that was associated with a very negative version of myself. So I'm going to refrain from doing that and instead call my highest version of myself Lily because 
since I was in high school, I had been journaling to a quote unquote pen pal named Lily. And Lily is just my journal. I know I've talked about it in previous episodes, but I write to Lily for advice. And I guess without realizing it, I was writing to the highest version of myself for advice and to kind of seek out deeper insight on things. And so now going forward, I will refer to my highest version of myself as Lily, trying to do things that best serve Lily and that Lily would be proud that I would be doing. So currently I feel like I'm not serving Lily and I'm getting into this headspace of why try and I feel lost, which all really makes sense to me because when I got my aura and chakras read and captured, all of the people that I talked to said that my sacral chakra was blocked, which your sacral, your sacral chakra is where your emotion, desires, and creativity lie. So I'm telling you, everything is so, so deeply connected. It's truly unreal. It's truly unreal. So my sacral chakra is blocked. And to be honest, we knew this well before my aura reading and my spiritual awakening in Aravel. So let me list some of the symptoms of a blocked sacral chakra, beginning first with constipation. So I know that my dad is one of my subscribers and listens to every single episode. But I would like to say that if my dad had a dollar for every time I texted or called him crying, saying that I can't poop, he would probably have all of the money that I owe him for my car insurance for the past two years. And for those of you who have car insurance in the state of Massachusetts, you know how egregious that pricing is. And I wouldn't know until today how much that truly costs because he signed me up for my car insurance when I first moved to the state of Massachusetts because I was just a broke college graduate who had no money and didn't have enough money to pay for car insurance. So he paid for it and then accidentally left his credit card associated to the insurance statement, just as much his fault as it is mine, I would like to say. But if he had a dollar for every time that I texted or called him saying that I was constipated, he would probably have all of that money back from over the past two years. Just just saying. It's kind of a lot. So that's that's for one. Another thing is that I always travel with a bottle of Miralax. Nick and Alex can attest to this when I was in LA. I was practically chugging Miralax. I texted actually both of them that I had taken a laxative as well as drank an entire bottle of water that was mixed with Miralax before I got on my six-hour flight from Boston to LA. And yes, I was in the window seat, which means yes, there were two people between me and the bathroom. Just to make sure that I was regular, okay? Just to make sure that everything was moving along just fine. And spoiler alert, Things were not moving along fine. I complained to Nick and Alex about my bowel movements the entire time I was in LA. Okay? So if Miralax would like to kindly sponsor me, that would probably save me a lot of money. It it has saved me a lot of heartache, I'll tell you that. So Miralax, please sponsor me. A huge advocate of your product. Another 
symptom of a blocked sacral chakra is low libido. So when I was in college, I had a very normal libido. I was in a long-term relationship with a boyfriend and my sex life was very normal. And then senior year, all of a sudden, I could not be less interested. I could not. I could not be bothered with it. And I think it was because I was internalizing a lot of moving on from college, experiencing a lot of anxiety, experiencing a lot of self-doubt, feeling a lot of isolation, and probably as ultimately would ended up being one of the reasons why my sacral chakra is blocked. But anyways, so thought to myself, you know what? I've been on birth control since I was 12 years old. Fun fact about me. I was 22 at the time when I decided that I was going to get off birth control because I believed that there could not be a possible reason as to why I would have a low libido. It must be the fact that I'm on this birth control and that I've been on it for 10 years and that must be what's affecting me. Okay, so I got off of birth control, still off of birth control, and still kind of low libido 100%. I just now have an increase of hormonal acne and just acne in general, which is just not ideal. So I don't think I'll be returning back to birth control, but I did think that me getting off of it was going to aid in raising my libido. But anyways, still MIA, we're working on it. Now realizing that we can attribute that to my sacral chakra and that being blocked, it's kind of upsetting to realize that it's been blocked for two years. But anyways, another symptom of a blocked sacral chakra is anxiety. So this is probably what's largely giving me a lot of that anxiety that I was just talking about. But my anxiety has been sporadic for the past two years and... For instance, when I was deciding that I was moving to Boston for my first job post-grad, I can vividly remember laying in my bed at my dad's house, bawling my eyes out, not because I was moving to Boston, not because I was scared of what it was going to be like to live on my own, but because I was so anxious about what the parking situation was going to be like here. I didn't know how I was going to get a parking spot. I didn't know how I was going to get a license. I didn't know how I was going to get a license plate. I didn't know how much all this was going to cost me. Going back to me being a broke college graduate, not able to pay for car insurance. But that was causing me a lot of really an unreal amount of anxiety. Just the fact of me driving my car around the city of Boston. I can't say that I really lay awake at night anymore with like excess, definitely lay awake at night with existential dread. I 100% do that. But something I don't lay awake at night with is that crippling sense of anxiety. So that anxiety that I was just mentioning that I was bawling my eyes out of my dad's house because I couldn't figure out where I was going to park my car. I no longer get that, but it is anxiety about what my career path is going to look like. What am I, who am I going to end up with? Am I going to continue my life in Boston? It's kind of just like these weird mental checks and this weird mental list that I 
have set out for myself that I'm not really sure why it exists, but it does. And it is causing me anxiety. So, and then to another one of the items is, or another one of the symptoms is the lack of creative inspiration. So this goes back what to what I was initially saying at the beginning of the episode where I beat myself up with a lot of negative self-talk when I'm not working on my podcast or being creative. And I really am just not focusing the amount of time that I want to into my creative endeavors, into painting, into writing, into meditating, into my podcast. And for whatever reason, it, it feels like it's because I'm scared of being vulnerable and I'm scared of putting that effort in and not reaping what I'm looking to gain from it. Unsure. I guess that goes back to my sacral chakra being blocked, I would say. So, okay, now that we have all of those symptoms, what does that really mean? Right? So, we know that const or we know that yeah we know that constipation we know anxiety we know low libido we know lack of creative inspiration are all symptoms of the sacral chakra being blocked but what does that really mean so the sacral chakra when unblocked symbolizes creative potential the ability to harbor fulfilling relationships as well as our sexual energy which I would like to point out, since my sacral chakra has been blocked since senior year, that's likely why I've probably been a serial dater for that span of time. Because I could not find a fulfilling relationship. And it's it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary that it is very wild to me that my sacral chakra being blocked has inhibited me from having these deep connections. And I kept looking for these explanations as to, okay, why do I have a little libido? But why am I a serial dater? Those things seem to counteract one another. And for me, it didn't make sense. But now that I know that the two are correlated... It makes complete sense, and it gives me some sort of validation that those two things can exist mutually, that I can have a little libido and I can be a serial dater. In case we haven't really realized or actualized how one's chakra gets blocked, I googled it and found that Obsessing over negative thoughts and patterns is what specifically blocks your sacral chakra. And the important thing here is recognizing that that chakra is blocked and going in and trying to unblock it. But how do we unblock it? So a quick Google search says that meditation, yoga, affirmation, and self-reflection is all going to be things that help unblock this, which makes sense because the more mindful we are about something, the more energy we're putting into it, the more that something is actually going to come to fruition. It's going to grow and it's going to be 
more of something that we're placing an intention on rather than something that's just merely happening as an unintended consequence of something else. So intuitively, all of that makes sense to me. And it all makes sense to me because those are things that I've been having a really difficult time with because if I'm going to put energy into meditating and I'm going to put energy into nulling my brain, which that's essentially what you do during meditation. You try and not think of anything. You try and just focus in the moment. Or sometimes you do have an intention for your meditation. But if I want to null my brain, I'm just going to go to sleep. And that has kind of been what my unfortunate mantra has been for the past few weeks. So instead of meditating, I've just been going to sleep. And it's because I don't have the capacity or I feel that I don't have the capacity to put energy into meditating versus sleeping. So I've decided just to sleep, which is a lot less mindful and a lot less restorative, which seems a little counterintuitive, but versus what I need. Because Clearly, in these options here on how to unblock, it does not say sleep. And then going into some other items that could potentially help in unblocking this chakra. So connecting with water is good for unblocking this chakra. And this is because the sacral chakra is associated with the water element. So this one actually makes so much sense to me. And I know that I've been saying that about everything in this episode, but it is so true. Like I started this episode kind of with the intentionality of just talking about how I'm in a lull. And then I was like, okay, how can I relate me being in a lull into my spirituality? And so got to thinking, okay, I'm in a lull and maybe that's associated to one of my chakras being blocked. Ding, ding, ding. That was it. So my chakra being blocked is because, yeah, so all of this ties into one another. So having all of this makes so much sense, really does make sense. Like everything is tied together. And I'm saying that this body of water or water in general being like some form of remedy to this blocked chakra is because I grew up being a bath girly. And this was pre-bath bomb bath girlies. Like Anytime I had an upset tummy, anytime I had a headache, anytime that I felt anxious or overwhelmed, I took a bath. And that bath always, always, always made me feel at least marginally better. I have no explanation for it. It was just like, if I felt nauseous and I took a bath, I didn't feel nauseous anymore. Or I felt marginally less nauseous that I didn't need to sit keeled over in front of a toilet in the fetal position for hours on end. I could actually get up and go to my bed and lay down and be miserable there, but the bath helped. So I think that that should be, that should be noted. Another thing that the internet suggested in my search for unblocking my sacral chakra was eating sacral centered foods. So most of the foods that were listed in this search were orange, which is the color associated to the sacral chakra. And eating orange foods or deep yellow foods typically contain high levels of lysopene or lycopene. I'm not really sure. I'm not an expert on these minerals or vitamins or whatnot, but has a high level of 
lysopene, vitamins A, C, and K, as well as potassium, which are key to circulation, which are key to restoring vitality, which is key to unblocking your chakra or your sacral chakra specifically. Another item that it recommended or that the internet recommended trying is doing some hip opening movements because your sacral chakra is located right below your belly button, which for those of you who know me, know that I have terrible, terrible hips. I've always blamed that on running marathons. And I've always blamed that, which it probably is true. Like I definitely don't stretch enough and I definitely need to do a better job of stretching out my hips before I run. But again, attributed into that sacral chakra being blocked. So I'm really just, maybe these are reaches and maybe you're like, Sarah, you're really stretching it on these. Or Sarah, you don't have to try and relate to everything, but I'm telling you, everything is related. So when you do relate it, you have some central or intrinsic pull to actually believe these things that you're thinking about or these things that you're reading or these things that you're trying. So I'm going to continue to relate all these things together and continue to rationalize everything that I read on the internet about my spiritual journey. Okay. And that is why we're here listening to the inspiring adult, because we're just rationalizing here. We're just figuring out what is going to be self-serving to us? What is going to make us feel better? What is going to unblock my sacral chakra in this instance, which I just realized I'm wearing an orange shirt coincidentally, which again, which I don't think that coincidences really exist. I like, this was what was laying out for me. And I say laying out as if someone has put this out for me. I literally wore it to bed last night. And this was a shirt that I just was going to put on to go to bed tonight. But coincidence, methinks not. It's orange. This whole energy that was put into the show is about my sacral chakra. The sacral chakra is orange. We're just really on that wavelength, I guess. So really going back to what I was saying earlier, everything's connected. So what I'm going to continue, and I think me expressing that my sacral chakra is blocked and all of the symptoms that causes it being blocked, and then all the things that I could potentially do to unblock it, I'm going to track this journey and I'm going to track it on my social media. And that way we can kind of see the effects of me unblocking the sacral chakra. Maybe I'll have a better relationship with my creativity outlets. Maybe I won't be as harsh on myself. Maybe my anxiety will be reduced. Maybe I'll be able to have those fulfilling relationships that I've been looking for. So We'll track that journey. We'll also track the journey here on the podcast. But I hope that this provides a little bit of insight into kind of how things really are all related to one another. I hope it provides insight on what what it means to have your sacral chakra being blocked and kind of allows for you to maybe question what chakras you might have blocked or what chakras exist for you and what chakras might be blocked for you. So thanks so much for listening. And I truly appreciate all of the positive feedback that I've been getting about the redirection in the podcast. And I'm interested in hearing how everyone's spiritual journey is going with listening to the podcast. So 
Thanks again for listening to The Aspiring Adult, and I will talk to you all next week. Thanks. Bye.